Welcome to Live at the Ballpark. On this episode, you'll hear the story of a longtime broadcaster and member of the Texas Rangers Hall of Fame, who as a young player made the move from our nation's capital to deep in the heart of Texas. Who would ever think that a city of two or 300,000 people would have the Texas Rangers in a brand new stadium, the Dallas Cowboys right down the road, Texas Live with two, with one big hotel, another one planned, and Arlington has gone from a town that didn't have much going for it back then to a town now that if you're a sports fan, you know where Arlington, Texas is. Welcome to Life at the Ballpark. Sharing stories from players, managers and coaches, writers and broadcasters about their lives around baseball, from the sandlots to the big league ballparks. Hi, I'm John Frost, and my guest today is Tom Grieve, longtime broadcaster, former player and general manager for the Texas Rangers. And this is part two of our conversation. Tom, thanks for sharing about your life at the ballpark. Thank you very much, John. Glad to be here. Tell me about the transition from D.C. to Arlington, because in those days, there wasn't a lot in Arlington. There were six flags and not a lot else. So what was it like moving from, for, as you as you were a player, an outfielder for the Washington Senators, and when you learned that you were probably relocating somewhere, what was that like for you? Well, we, we had a lousy team in Washington, but virtually all of us loved playing in Washington. I was from New England. It wasn't that far from home. People could come down, come down and watch. Jackie Brown was a pitcher. He and I lived in an apartment together and every day that we drove to the ballpark we drove in the vicinity of the washington monument we didn't want drive right by the white house but we could have if we wanted to and so the sense of history and the city you're playing for was something that was at times overwhelming so we loved it there and when we heard that we were moving to texas i don't know anyone that was thrilled about it most of us didn't like the idea at all most of us had never been to Texas. And so it was something that we weren't looking forward to. Where in the season did you find that out? Did you find out at the end of the season or was it during know, the season? I don't, rem- I don't remember exactly when I found that out. Um, I just remember what I felt like when I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to Texas and football was the main sport in sure. Texas. We played in a refurbished minor league park. We drew somewhere around 600 or 700,000 fans the first two years. Mm-hmm. And it really, it really didn't look like baseball was going to take in Texas. Mm-hmm. But one thing that was obvious to us was how great the city of Arlington was in the state of Texas and how beautiful the people were. Mm-hmm. And that was what won us over, the way we were accepted by the fans that we had and how genuine the people were. I think as a New Englander, Maybe we're a little bit more standoffish. Um, but my wife and I, we used to say to each other, are these people really this cordial and this nice? Or do they just want something? And so once we once we got over the cynicism of New yeah, England, yeah. I guess you would say, sure. we realized that these were genuinely beautiful people. And you mentioned Arlington. Um, there wasn't much there. But for a little town, it did have... It did have the amusement park, Six Flags mm-hmm. Amusement Park. It did have, it wasn't called Wet n' Wild, but it was a, it was a, 
um, Seven Seas, it was called, where they had all the animal acts and things. So it had two big things in this little town. But the other thing it had, it had a mayor named Tom Vandergriff who got things done. And he's the reason that Texas ever got a big league ballpark. And once the Rangers got there, you can just see over time all the beautiful things that happened in the city of Arlington. Who would ever think that a city of two or 300,000 people would have the Texas Rangers in a brand new stadium, the Dallas Cowboys right down the road, mm-hmm. Texas Live with two, with one big hotel, another one planned, all sorts of other companies have relocated there. And so I've, I've been able to watch that since 1972 all take place. And Arlington has gone from a town, as you mentioned, that didn't have much going for it back then to a town now that if you're a sports fan, you know where Arlington, Texas is. And the idea that you came into a refurbished minor league ballpark, and I went to, I went to games at old Turnpike Stadium, the Dallas-Fort Worth Spurs, where their, sure. where, where their manager was Cal Ripken Sr., for the Baltimore Royals, wow. I remember that. Yeah. I've, heard, I've heard Cal Ripken Jr. talk about growing up as a kid at the old Turnpike Stadium. And the, you were there. And yeah. as I recall, when with the first year of the Rangers, they had you guys dressed up in cowboy hats and, and all kinds of things as you were traveling on the road, did they not? Well, opening opening day, they gave everybody a cowboy hat and a pair of blue cowboy boots. And I still have a picture of that with everybody lined up on the baselines before the first pitch and before the nat- during the national anthem and we all had our cowboy hats on mm-hmm. that was something new to most of us who had never owned a cowboy hat or a pair of cowboy boots we now had a pair of both and they gave ted williams a pair i don't think he could ever wear them but they gave him a pair of cowboy boots with baseball cleats on the bottom oh of them gosh. and he had those on um I believe, as we got ready for the national anthem. So, yeah, that that took a little getting used to. Um, but I, I remember my wife saying to me one time, um, I don't think, she said, I don't think we'll ever get used to country western music. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever have country western music playing um, in our car, for instance. And now um, one of the greatest television shows we ever saw was Ken Burns' documentary on country western yeah. music. Over time, we've grown to love country western music, and we've grown to love Texas. Our kids were brought up here. Um, we're not um, bold enough to say that we're Texans, mm-hmm. because all you have to do is listen to us talk, and you'll know that we're not mm-hmm. Texans, but we certainly feel like we are. So that second year, 1973, your manager was Whitey Herzog. And Whitey Herzog, this is before Whitey Herzog became Whitey Herzog, before Whitey Ball, before the Royals, before the Cardinals. Tell me about playing for Whitey Herzog in 1973. Well, Whitey Herzog was a very well-respected director of baseball operations with the New York Mets. And he had spent a lot of time building the Mets into a nice franchise. And so when he came to Texas, his directive and his goal was to build a team over time by developing a young core of talented players. And so he was beginning to do that. His feeling was that you needed to develop a strong pitching staff with power arms. And so he was trying to do that through the draft, through minor league trades. And it looked like he was on his way to doing a pretty good job. But we were still, win and loss-wise, a lousy team. When Billy Martin got fired in Detroit, 
midway through that season, Bob Short, the owner, completely changed direction. He went from de- desiring to build a winning team, we weren't drawing any fans, to I have to win right now, I'm going to go get Billy Martin. And so he fired Whitey Herzog, hired Billy Martin. Obviously, it was not a good decision for the long term, but short term, it paid dividends. I'll never forget Billy's clubhouse meeting when he joined the team midway through that season. And he said, I didn't come here to watch the team improve. I didn't come here to make you a 500 team. I came here because we're going to win. And anyone that doesn't want to be here, doesn't believe that, right after I'm done talking, come into my office and let me know that. And I'll make sure that you're not here tomorrow. And so everybody, no one went into his office, obviously, but when he was done and when he went back into his office, I remember looking at Jeff Burroughs, one of my better friends on the team, and I said, whoa, this guy's never seen us play if he thinks we're going to (laughs) win. But he made some changes, and the general manager made some changes, and we made a trade for Fergie Jenkins. He came to us from the Cubs, and they traded Bill Madlock, who went on to win several National League batting championships. But he was a young player. He wasn't going to play for the Rangers that year. But Fergie Jenkins came here and won 25 games. Whitey had made a trade for Jim Bibby. Jim Bibby won 19 games the next year. And we didn't necessarily win a pennant, but we were a winning team, and we were uh, we were a contender. In fact, if Kansas City didn't win something like 20 out of their last 24 games, we might have won the pennant that year. So I, I don't know. I guess there's probably been a couple of instances, and Billy was involved in both of them, where a team went from where we were to a contender that quickly. And so Billy Martin came in and did exactly what Bob Short hoped he would do. Whitey Herzog, on the other hand, went to Kansas City and then went to St. Louis and developed those teams into championship teams, championship teams that we never became. Um, So Bob got what he wanted, a winning team right off the bat, and a team that would draw um, a million fans for the first time, a team that gave out key change that said, thanks a million for drawing a million fans that probably would have happened, wouldn't have happened that year without Fergie Jenkins, and without Billy Martin long-term though, 10 or 15 years down the road, I think you could make a pretty good case that Whitey Herzog, if Bob Short had stuck with him, would have developed a very, very strong team stronger than we became. And maybe not exactly what Kansas city and St. Louis became, but probably something close. I don't know if it's a true story or not, Tom, but uh, I've heard that uh, Bob Short was saying that I would fire my grandmother in order to hire Billy Martin, and Whitey Herzog announced that he was now Bob Short's grandmother. (laughs) Well, I don't know that I remember that quote, but I'm not surprised to hear it, (laughs) because I think Whitey, you could tell the regard that Whitey was held in by the fact that Joe Burke had been our general manager when Joe Burke went to Kansas City, Joe Burke hired him as soon as he got fired to go manage the Kansas City Royals. So Joe Burke knew exactly what Whitey Herzog was. And I think Bob Short probably did too. He just didn't care. He knew he wasn't going to own the team much longer. He wanted to draw fans and he wanted to do that with a with a better team. So Billy Martin was the perfect guy. Coming up, Texas Rangers broadcaster Tom Grief shares his favorite moments in Rangers history and what it was like to announce his son Ben 
in a major league game. Because deep down inside, I want every pitch that's pitched to him to turn into a home run. And if it's a tie game in the ninth inning, I want him to hit a home run to beat my team. Because any father or mother that says that that's not the way they feel is not being truthful. I just couldn't let our fans that were watching the game and listening to our broadcast know that that's the way I felt. Spring training is right around the corner at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium in Jupiter, Florida. I'm here with the general manager of the stadium, Mike Bauer. Mike, tell us a little about spring training this season. Well, we're uh, we're off and running, right? You know, we've got uh, four night games this year, which is, I think, the most that we've uh, played uh, all you know, in any season. Three for the the Marlins and one for the Cardinals. We also have some unique opportunities uh, during the first week of, of spring training. We've got our, our military day, which is going to take place on February 23rd. We're offering ten dollar reserve box tickets. Uh, then, you know, right after that, we've got our Palm Beach County residence day. So, if you are a resident of Palm Beach County, you live here. All you got to do is bring us a a utility bill or your driver's license that shows that you live here and from february 24th through the 27th you can get ten dollars off either a reserve box ticket or a bleacher ticket and then lastly we have our senior day so if you're 55 and older and you want to come enjoy a ball game in the afternoon you can do that on february 28th uh, marlins and astros and you get a ten dollar ticket reserve box ticket so you know we've not really done this type of thing before we're trying something new to see if we can get a new audience come see some games how can people get tickets for spring training they can come to roger dean chevrolet stadium.com or they can call 561-775-1818 right mike bauer general manager of roger dean chevrolet stadium you're listening to this podcast because you have an interest in baseball if you own a business What do you think people who call you have an interest in? Yeah, your business. So you need a message on hold. Now, tell your callers about your products and services, locations and hours, special offers and more with a message on hold now. We've been providing telephone on hold messages since 1992, and we can do one for you. Get your custom message on hold now at messageonholdnow.com. Messageonholdnow.com. Now back to my conversation with Tom Green, longtime broadcaster for the Texas Rangers. I hope you'll subscribe and share with your friends. There's a new episode every week. Let's move into something personal for you because you also, one of the distinctions of Tom Grieve is that you and your son, Ben, I believe are the only father-son number one draft choices. Well, we were the first, first, but since that time, and since that time, there's been some others. In fact, down the road, Jeff Burroughs and his son, Sean, were number one draft choices. Jeff and I were teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, and then more recently, Delino DeShields and his dad were number one draft choices, and somewhere in between, John Mayberry and his son. But at the time, we were the first ones to be a father and a son as number one draft choices. And you were a broadcaster when Ben Grieve and the Oakland A's came to town, or you were in Oakland. What was it like for you to be able to broadcast a Major League Baseball game and watch your son play? Well, it, it, was, it, was, very, it was very difficult um, because I would, I would be the exact same as any father watching his son or daughter do anything, whether it's 
a school play, a spelling bee, a baseball game, a big league game, or a little league game. We all have the exact same feelings in the middle of our stomach, that you're nervous, you don't want anything bad to happen to your child, you want them to succeed, your heart's pounding, and you just... Uh, it's, it's almost at times unbearable to watch. And for moms and dads that are listening to our podcast, I'm sure they can identify with that. So I had I had the opportunity to do that, to watch him play against my team, the Rangers, while I was a broadcaster. It's one thing to sit in the stands or at home on TV and have those feelings and not have to do anything, but I had to talk while he was playing. And it was a very difficult thing to do because – I knew that the Ranger fans that were listening to our broadcast didn't care one single bit how he did. In fact, they wanted him just like they wanted the rest of the A's players to do poorly because they wanted the Rangers to win the game. So I've got to navigate through my conversation during those games with a lot of deference to the Ranger fans because that's who I broadcast for. At the same time, I have to go out of my way not to be excited when he did well um, because I didn't want them to see that either. Sure. But it was difficult. So Bill, Bill Jones was my partner back then, and I think I pretty much laid, laid off and let him describe it and describe the action and was probably a little more quiet when Ben hit than when other players hit. I, I didn't do a lot of analyzing when he hit because deep down inside, I want every pitch that's pitched to him to turn into a home run. And if it's a tie game in the ninth inning, I want him to hit a home run to beat my team because any father or mother that says that that's not the way they feel is not being truthful. I just couldn't let our fans that were watching the game and listening to our broadcast know that that's the way I felt. Was that the first time you'd ever seen Ben in person as a major leaguer? As a matter of fact, it was Mm -hmm. because I didn't get to go to his first major league game in Oakland, which was only, oh, it was only a little bit before that, as a matter of fact. And so we felt that as long as he was coming into Arlington shortly after that, with it, that would be the first time. And when he came back to Arlington, I don't know if it was the first game or it was close to it. He hit two home runs in the first game, his first two at bat. Wow. And Tom Schieffer, who was our owner, um, sitting down in the front row, came up into our booth. I didn't see him, but he came up behind me during the game and put his hands around my neck and started squeezing and said, all right, one home runs enough. Two, two is ridiculous. And then went back down to his seat. So I was, I was uh, feeling a pretty intense feeling of joy inside, but at the same time trying to mask those feelings when I talked during the game. I guess, Tom Grieve, that you have seen every great moment in Texas Rangers history. Have you not? I probably have. Um, there's been some games I didn't broadcast, um, but I probably watched most of them on TV. There may be an, been a few that I missed as a general manager when I was visiting our minor league teams, but basically I've been there almost every year. There was one year I was away. I played for the Mets. Um, in 1978, I was away that whole year. So whatever happened in 1978, I missed. Mm-hmm. But for most of them, I've been either a player, a front office employee, or a broadcaster. So I have been around for most of them. I wish I could remember all of them, but uh, <laughs> I've been there for most of them. 
What pops out in your mind as you think about your history with the Texas Rangers and the things that you've seen? Well, if I had to go back to a player I've already described it, it would have been my first major league game without a doubt. Um, I think as a general manager, things that stand out were um, some trades that we made, but probably signing Nolan Ryan. That mm-hmm. um, Nolan came here, won 16 games, struck out 300 batters. I mentioned that what a great moment it was for the Rangers to draw a million fans, but when Nolan came here, we drew two million fans for the first mm-hmm. time. So um, Nolan becoming part of our, of our organization was a big thrill. Moving in to then our new ballpark was a moment that most of us didn't know we'd ever see. We probably felt we were resigned to playing in a glorified minor league park, but when we moved into the ballpark in Arlington and that beautiful new stadium, that was, that was a great thrill. There's been so many things um, as a broadcaster um, that, that I've had a chance to witness going to the world series, mm-hmm. great players. Uh, I think for a while, Josh Hamilton was the best player I've ever seen. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say, especially the three months during his most valuable player mm-hmm. year, where he hit over for 300 bats, he hit 400, mm-hmm. um, ran the bases like a top of the line base runner, mm-hmm. had elite speed, mm-hmm. had a better arm than almost any outfielder, played center field as well as anybody. There was a time there where you could make a case that he was one of the five greatest players that ever played the game. Because I think if you watched him in that moment in time, not for 15 or 20 years like Mickey Mantle or Willie Mays or the great players, but for that moment in time, those 300 at-bats or the two years that he had that were so great, he was such a, he was such a great player. So I'll never forget the opportunity to watch him and broadcast his games. That, that, that was a, a great thrill. But to be involved in, in going to the playoffs for the first time back in 1996 was a big thrill going to the World Series for the first time was a big thrill. And I mentioned how, how what a thrill it was to move into that ballpark. And now next year, we're going to move into another ballpark 25 years later, and that will be a big thrill too. Tom Grieve, this, this has been a delight for me. I, I can't imagine anyone who would have the perspective that you do from player with the Senators, player with the Rangers, general manager with the team, broadcaster for 25-plus years. Thank you for sharing about your life in baseball. It's been my pleasure, John. Thanks for asking me. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll subscribe and share with your friends. I'm John Frost with Life at the Ballpark. Ballpark.